Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the RouterFlex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. On today's RiderFlex podcast, happy to have Laurent Brish on the show. Laurent, how you doing? Excellent. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I can't wait to hear the story about Farm Dog. I looked it up online and did some homework. And by the way, I live uh, in northern Colorado, lots of farmland. In fact, I live in a tiny little farm town, so to speak. And so when I go down to my local watering hole to have a few beers, I'm usually hanging around farmers. <laughs> so They are the best uh, beer buddies around. That's yes, sure. they are. They are. And uh, so, I'm, yeah, can't wait to get into to Farm Dog and the story. But before you go there, you know, I think you have an, also an interesting background. So if you don't mind, can you just get personal a little bit with the listeners and just where you grew up, some family stuff, and maybe some early school and early career yeah. stuff? Just walk us through it a little bit. Yeah, happy to. Um, so I was, I was born in Israel, okay. uh, but moved to the States, moved to Texas back when I was five. My dad at the time was working at Motorola. It was one of those situations where it was supposed to be a two-year transfer after two years basically got the message of you can move back to Israel or if you want to keep moving up the corporate ladder, you should probably stick around. Now that's, so, can I just stop you? That's yep. the connection. That's the connection on in college. You started something called the Texas club or something like that. You're yes, like exa exactly. Okay, I don't want, so, I don't, I don't want yeah. to jump that. I don't want to jump that. <laughs> I don't want to jump that far ahead, but I saw that. I'm like, okay, now where did that come from? All right. right. So anyway, so, I, I didn't so, even realize I was still up there. That's good. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, because, because it connects to a lot of other things. Okay, cool. So I ended up grow, growing up in Texas, but specifically in Austin. And okay. so, you know, Austin is kind of, when you grew up in Austin, it's Austin first, Texas second. Cool so town. I was an Austinite. Great Went city. to university. Awesome place. Went to UT for undergrad, University of Texas. Awesome. Studied finance. Um, after, I guess, junior, senior year, when you're starting to think about what is that next step, mm -hmm. I wasn't quite there yet, right? Like most 20, 21-year-olds, people push you in different directions. You don't really want to do that. Yep. Um, you've got longer hair at the time, and you don't want to get a haircut for your interviews. And mm -hmm. so the mm -hmm. plus, easier path. <laughs> plus, you're, plus you're chasing girls on 6th Street in Austin, Austin exactly. going, going exactly. to parties and lis listening to live music and of course, all of those exactly. fun Austin things. <laughs> that's, that's being an Austinite. And so <laughs> the easier path to take is to take the LSAT, study for law school, okay. head to law school. Um, so after straight out of college, I went up to New York for NYU Law School. Were either one of your parents attorneys? No, but... My mother is a Jewish mother, and my brother was already a doctor, and she needed a lawyer to, <laughs> to round out the, the family, uh, the family tree. Uh, so, wow! So it was an easy transition. Uh, hey, congrats! Hey, kudos to the parents. One, a doctor and a lawyer. All right, yep. uh, that's yep. pretty good. So they did, they did a good job. Okay, so then and you go, you, then you leave Austin, you go to New York. I leave Austin, I go to New York, and. The funny thing is, basically within that first week, I realized that I wasn't really in the place I should be. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those where you look around and you realize that lots of people around you that are very passionate about what they're doing, 
mm-hmm. meaning studying law, and you think to yourself, huh, I'm just kind of here. And I remember the kind of when it really hit home, it was, it was really interesting to me. It was funny. We were sitting around, and it's in law school every year, you've got that first year, that intro to lawyering sort of class. Oh, okay. And you're discussing a bunch of things, and they had me read something out loud. And the word appellate came up, okay. A-P-E-L-L-A-T-E. Now, yeah. if you are interested in the law, that's a very normal, you know, kind of day-to-day word. If you are not interested in the law, you pronounced it appellate. Okay. And, you know, and it's, you know, I, folks laughed and, yeah, and you're whatever. The cool, not, you're the coolest guy in class all of a sudden. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They didn't laugh in a mean way, but it, it, was, it was just one of those things like, all right, like this is, this is where I am. So it's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. Now I took it as a sign to say, let's turn this into a three-year expensive vacation instead of let me, let me do something else instead of going all in on this. Um, and so really through my law school career, took a lot of the business classes, took a bunch of the classes out at the NYU Stern. Okay. But most importantly, what got me on this entrepreneurial path, and this links into the Texas club is after my, my second year of law school, that's year when mo- most folks go and they work at a law firm for the full eight to 10 weeks, you get paid a lot of money to really not do much of anything. It was back in 2000, back in 2007. That's how it was. When you could still do that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. When you're guaranteed a job afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, What I decided to do was to split my summer between working at a law firm as well as founding a guitar case company. So I love, I'm so glad you're going into this because when I saw that on your profile, I'm like, what's this founder guitar cases? Nine, you know, 1836 guitar cases. I'm like, all right, yes, we have. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be like in Austin music scene, Texas tieback, exactly. something, something. All right, go for it. Exactly. I can't wait. So you brought up Austin, growing up in Austin, everybody's a cool kid, plays guitar, plays in a band. I played in a band through college. All of a sudden, I moved up to New York. I was going to law school. I'm not as cool as I used to be. Or let, let me phrase. I'm not as cool as I thought I used to be. <laughs> and so I'm trying to figure out how to get back into it. And mm. I was walking around the village one day in New York and realized that all these quote-unquote cool creative musicians are all walking around with black and brown um, guitar cases. Okay. And so okay. I'm saying, okay, that's okay. interesting that creative folks don't, the, the best outlet they've got is putting a bunch of band stickers on there, right? Right. And so for me, I said, okay, how do I let folks ha- let out their creativity? I, in the past, had, you know, had put some crazy things on my guitar case and said, you know what, let's do, okay. let's let people put up their own images on, uh, on their guitar cases. This All was right. back, I forgot the name of the company, but back then, if you remember, there was one website where you uploaded a picture and they printed your picture on a mug and it was the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now everybody can do it, obviously, but back mm-hmm. then, that's what I wanted to do. Okay. I started researching it, realized that I know nothing about building a website for doing that. I know nothing about manufacturing guitar cases. I have about two months to get this done um, and don't really have the money to get it done. And so where I landed on was I said, okay, how can I whittle this down to the lowest common denominator that I'm still excited about? I grew up in Texas. I know that Texans love anything and everything that has a Texas flag on it. All right. That was a company. It was a guitar case with a big Texas flag on it. 1836 is when, um, Oh, right. Now the state of Texas actually became a country. Founded that, found a Chinese manufacturer off of Alibaba. Wow. The wild, wild west of those times. Wow. Um, my guitar case manufacturer turned out to not be a manufacturer. It's a completely different rabbit hole that, that if you want, we could go down. Um, <laughs> you bootstrapped the whole thing yourself? Bootstrapped the whole thing. 
Now, um, while you, and you and you funded it with with what the money you were making from the law firm and your regular exactly. job. Exactly. Yep. Okay. The okay. the six weeks of working at a law firm and some law school loans. That's all that went into that. Okay. Um, what, are you living? Are you living in like a closet in New York at the time? <laughs> I'm living in a closet that there's enough room for a bed and like a and a little cabinet or something. But luckily, my parents are still in Austin and have a big basement. Okay. Cool. That's all my right. facility. Oh, <laughs> and my mom oh. was employee of the month for a long time. <laughs> So complete That's bootstrap, so family bootstrapped. So um, awesome. Basically, cool. the, the, the greatest part about all of it was I said, okay, how do I get this out there? And so I struck up a deal with Austin City Limits Festival. Oh, great this job. Was back, this was before it was what it is today. This was okay. in its third or fourth year. Mm. Basically, what I did was I traded them a bunch of cases for free backstage passes. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, okay, so let's, uh, let's just pause right there. Let's yep. just, that's a critical, that's a pivot moment, right? That's a moment right there where you're like, all right. I got to figure out how to, I got to figure out how to get in with these guys. Right. Yep. What, what do you like? Call somebody, you know, do you like, like, how do you, how do you even have that conversation? How do you get that conversation? Cold emails. At <laughs> okay. the time it was cold emails. That was, wow. yeah. And wow. I mean, at the time though, ACL fest was small enough okay. where you could still get to those folks. Right. Like I'm sure if today, if I just cold emailed them like, <laughs> right. Hey, I've got a cool guitar case for you. I don't know what, what spam folder that would go into. <laughs> right. Okay. So, wow. All right. You get that meeting, you make that deal. Okay. Make that deal. That ran for a good three or four years. My guitar cases went out to Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson, wow. Wow. Robert Plant of Zeppelin. All these guys have my cases. I don't know where they are, but they've got them. Wow. I was hanging out backstage and kind of where all this leads to it, which is my favorite part is my mom was telling this story to a friend of hers about a year ago even less in Austin. The guy was a musician from Israel. He was touring throughout the States. Right after Austin, he went up to Seattle, went to the Museum of Pop Culture. They've got a Pearl Jam exhibit there. Okay. In the Pearl Jam exhibit, my case is there with a big Texas flag on it. Cool. I have no idea how it got there. We did not, Pearl Jam did not play ACL Fest when we were there. Anyways, it got there. That's kind of the long story of my first entrepreneurial experience. Well, I appreciate you sharing it. Did it ever make did it ever make enough money to actually make you a living where you didn't have to do anything else? Not at all. Okay. Um, the okay. reason being kind of the main things I learned, of course, distribution, number oh, one. Man. Two, if you're manufacturing in China, you got to have somebody there mm -hmm. in person making sure mm -hmm. that quality control is what it is because we got a bunch of cases. Half of them came to me in just horrible shape. I tons don't have of, the tons of learning experience in tons that of learning experiences, mm -hmm. um, putting yourself out there, really saying I'm one man shop, whatever it may be and going out there and trying to sell. Wow. How, how are you eating at the, that now? How, how are you paying bills? You're, you're, you're living well, in the basement part time. What, what are so we at the time? I'm still, so this was kind of the second half of my law school time okay. where still got loans. You still got some okay. money from when I was working. Okay. Um, so that helped out. And then as that was nearing its end, I had joined the consulting firm McKinsey. Well, which is a hit, which by the way is a huge deal, right? I mean, working for McKinsey, I mean, that's great to have on your profile. Yeah. Congratulations was, on. Thank yep. you. Yep. Thank you. When it, and, it, and it was, I got there cause really after law school, I said, I don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> um, and did you take, can I, can I, is this a fair question? Did you take the McKinsey deal at the time? Because you're like, okay, Number one, I know this is going to look, look good on my profile. Number two, I've been starving for the last five years and I really would like to make some decent money and eat. Is that the reason you it took was, it? It was more the former because my options were going to a law firm. And back then, if you come out of good law school, go to a top, even a top 100 firm, you're mm -hmm. making 
a very, very good amount at the age mm-hmm. of 25. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like there's yep. like there, there, you're fine. You're at the top yes. earners for 25 year olds. And yep. so that wasn't the aspect of it. Cause fortunately I had that alternative. It really was more about, okay, how do I bring myself back into the business world, which is really where I want to be. Okay. Um, and get exposure to the things that McKinsey was working on. Okay. That's great. You had four years there, which was a nice run. Yep. And then, and then during that whole time, the entrepreneurial bug is just down inside just slowly eating away at you or what? Eating away at me. <laughs> and I mean, even at, the, at McKinsey at a certain point, I, I hired some freelance Uruguayan um, developers to develop a basketball app for me. <laughs> but the whole time, but, but then it got to one of those points where, okay, I got the app. How do I distribute it? I'm working way too much as a okay. consultant, but really it was eating away at me because I was tired of trying to solve other people's problems. Gotcha. Right? You go, yep. when you're a consultant, you go to people and say, Hey, here are your five options out of these five, these three are probably the best. And within those, you of course decide you're the client. This is kind of the recommendation. But at the end of the day, I went home and the client made the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Plus you had already had that taste of, of being a little entrepreneur with the exactly. guitar. Okay. Exactly. So I needed I needed that. The great thing about my time, there was a few things. One, I met the most incredible and smartest people, um, many of which are entrepreneurs today. We kind of buddied up in terms of, okay, where do we want to go from there? So these are folks that are still my mentors um, today. Second aspect was um, got exposure to a lot of technology and how it can affect the other industries. So I was working with some um, smartphone companies back in 2009 right this back then we were still asking the questions how how pervasive will touch screen will touch screens and mobile phones be for every industry right back then it, we were using our iphones essentially mm-hmm. as an as a sexier ipod mm-hmm. right and we're trying to figure out where it can where it can go and then importantly as well during that time i worked on fruit and vegetable supply chain Ah, boom. There's that. Exactly. Okay. There's the tie. All right. Exactly. There's a tie. And at the same time became a partner in a couple of farm to fork restaurants down in Texas, just by virtue of, of being friends with the guy who started those. And so that Mm -hmm. those are, I call those my formative years in terms of leading me to where I am today. Yep. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of pieces in there tied it together for you. So, and then at some point is at some point, so the technology pieces there, the farm to table, the ag piece is already starting to tie in. How about the drone? The 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 because yeah, yeah go, go tie that in so, there. So so it's a it's I could you know that you can easily create a story that says I got from point A to point B <laughs> in a straight line. Yeah, and it was like a plan that I had exactly. years ago. I was doing <laughs> agriculture and technology, and that's how I got to farm dog. I knew exactly what was going. Obviously not. Um, <laughs> so I left McKenzie knowing I wanted to do a startup. That was about it. Okay. Um, and you know, I love it. Startup, I love it whatever love that it. means. And I left. Did you quit your, did you quit there with, 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 with no income? You just were like, I'm going to quit and start something. I quit because Whew. as a consultant, Whoa. as a consultant, the challenge there is, yeah, you do a new project every three months. And you're and working, so working a, a shit ton. I mean, you're, you're working, you're working a lot. You're working yeah. too much. You don't have yeah. enough time to, to really think about, to be yeah. creative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's also because you're doing a new project every three months, it's very easy to tell yourself, Hey, the mm-hmm. next project will be what I want to do. Did you, did you quit? Did wait, I guess you had a little money saved up not to get too personal, but I mean, how did you, eat? I had, I, so my friends would always laugh at my choice of food while I was making a good amount of money. 
um basically they said i was eating like a hobo okay um <laughs> so you, and but right. the reason the reason being is because i knew that eventually i would be in the startup world and i would need to have that money saved up good for you good for you my man okay great all so, right so so left to do a startup sorry go ahead yeah, no, you left to do so. You quit now. With, with the day you gave your notice, did you know what the startup was going to be? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got and and the worst thing was I left with another McKinsey consultant. And there's the worst way to start a startup is to get two consultants around the table trying to think up of a good idea, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, visual, I'm visualizing you guys at the at the at the bar for happy hour, like yeah. We just quit our jobs. We're going to do yep. something, you know, and the waiter exactly. comes over. The waiter comes over and says, what are you guys going to do? We don't know, but yeah, know. yeah. But I'll take another shot. Um, That's so good. Oh, my God. All right. So, you know, so, so we eventually, you know, we went through the whole kind of social network for this, social network okay. for that, all the crap that people, that people go through. Until eventually one of our, one of our friends came up and said, y'all are idiots. You've worked with the largest <laughs> banks in the world, both, at, both your times at McKinsey, because I've done a lot of financial work okay. um, back at McKinsey as well. Do something in fintech. Do something where we, when you walk into a room with investors or anybody, you've got some cachet in terms of what you've done. Okay. So we said, okay, and, you know, that's, we'll, ta we'll take that advice. Let's, let's look into it. We took that advice, but there's a difference between you know, taking advice and executing on it in a good way. So we founded the company as a pension company, like a company for pensions, Okay. but in Israel. Okay. And what I was, was special in, about- I was what, living what, in Israel at the time. Oh, you were? Okay. And what I was, was, yeah. And what was, what, was, what was going to be special about this new company? Well, so this is around the time we're in the States. This was, I guess, 2012 or 13, maybe a little bit earlier, okay. where you had a lot of these online- financial platforms that allow that helped you choose your investments better okay we were just going to say we say that works in the states let's do it in israel and israel at the time everything was still very um very analog you had to meet with your broker face to face to make I see. changes i see okay we said that's weird so i see all right that's where we went the problem with that key learnings pension industry is boring um <laughs> Don't read legal documents in Hebrew if you are not a trained lawyer in Hebrew. And three, don't rely on a government partner to help you out because basically the Israeli government was putting together a pension clearinghouse. We were essentially their QA. We were the first people to connect into that. Okay. Because we needed that to help people move their money around, but we were essentially QA for them. I see. Mm, okay. So how long did that last? That was about nine months, nine to 12 months. Okay. And at a certain point, I went to my co-founders. We were, took, we're uh, three at the, we, we got up to three total. And I said, hey, guys, I love y'all like brothers, but this isn't working out. Like this, mm -hmm. I saved up money to, to go big or go home. Like this just isn't what, okay. what I want to do. Okay. Um, they said, okay, we respect that. Basically, the next day or the day before, I don't remember, a, in a multi, multiple exited entrepreneur in Israel who had turned into, had a, lot, had a lot of rich people, toys and games, I'll put it that way, boats okay. and drones okay. and okay. motorcycles and things. Okay, those are the people I hang out with regularly. Just yeah, so we, we <laughs> uh, introduce me, please. Um, I need yeah. friends like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> reached out to one of my co-founders, a technical co-founder, and said, hey, I want my drone to follow me while I do tricks on my motorcycle. Can okay. you do that? 
He asked you. They asked you if you could do that. They, they, they asked one of my one of my oh. one of my co-founders. Okay. And and the guy who asked yes. it said, yes. I, I know y'all are a team of three. Can y'all do that? And so my team came back to me and said, Hey, Laurent, like we've got this opportunity. What do you think? Because I'd already told them that I don't, you know, I don't want to work within right. the company anymore. Right. Right. And I said, you know what? First of all, I don't want to screw up this first meeting for y'all. If the guy's expecting three people to show up, you know, I'm I'll show up. Why but I have nothing to lose. Why not? And then, of course, it sounded really fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, seriously, because <laughs> um, there's no at that time, no drones are following people around yet. Exactly. This okay. was around the time when when there were a few of those that went up on Kickstarter. Okay. And and it was going to be really cool. Um. So we sat with a guy. Basically, he he laid out his vision. We laid out our vision. He asked us if we want to do it. None of us knew anything about drones. None of us did action sports. None of us did computer vision. But yes, we will do this. Why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds like fun. Oh, man. Um, is that, is that, oh, man. Is that Mark Cuban or who is that? That's like, just say yes and then go home and draw it up. You'll figure it I out. Think it, I think it may be uh, Richard uh, Branson. Maybe that's Richard Branson. I think it's yeah, Richard Branson. Just say yeah. yes. Yes. Just yes, say yes can, and figure it out. We can do that. <laughs> so, so I rejoined the team. Um, the, the guy sponsored all of our drones, all the hardware, and we started building. Did he sponsor your payroll? No. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So he, he, he seed cashed it for you. He gave you the seed money, but not for payroll. So exactly. You're, so you're still working for free at this point. Still kinda. working for free. Still working. Not kind of. Definitely. <laughs> definitely working for free. Um, all right. But could you live on one of his boats? Could you like, hang out on one of his boats? Hey, we just want to hang out over here. <laughs> that was, that was, a, that was a goal. We would, we would distract him with the drone while we take over his, uh, his hacienda. Um, <laughs> So we, we started building on that prototype. Awesome. It was following us around, you know, kind of, sort of, I would wear a red shirt in a green field. I'd run through the field. The thing would follow me, videotape me. Awesome. But but you had to, had, so, but you had to pay developers. You had to like, you had to have some. Well, we, out well, we had three, we, have, we were a team of three. Um, our okay. CTO was really, he, de, he okay. built most okay. of it. Okay. Um, myself and the, and the other co-founder split up some of the other duties. Okay. Um, you know, if, in hindsight, is that the team that I would put together to build a computer vision drone platform? No, not at all. <laughs> but but it, it is what it was. Okay. Then we ran into trouble when we tried to raise. The reason being, we were we were in Israel again. Okay. When we tried to raise with Israeli VCs, they didn't believe in the future of commercial drones. They said, Hey, this is great. Why don't you do this for you know defense industry or something like that? We said, there's enough people doing that. That's not, that's not what we're interested in. Mm -hmm. When we tried to raise in the States, folks said, this is awesome. We believe in the future of drones, but you're too early and based out of Israel for us to invest. Okay. So, can, I, can, I, can I take a pause right here for the course. listeners, just for their own education? Now, at that stage, you guys had been working on that for how long? When you, start, when you tried to raise cash, when you, when you said, hey, we're going to try to raise cash, how, how far in were you? Time, timeline. For the drones, this was, we were within six to nine months. Did you reform a different company for the drone company or did you guys still have your same nope. entity from before? Same entity. It was a pivot from pension technology to drones. <laughs> okay. So the same, yep. same company uh, per se. And it was you three. Did you all have a third, third and third ownership in this, exactly. in this yep. entity? Yep. The guy that gave you the seed money to get some of the stuff going, he, he, he took a decent sized piece uh, he, when you guys. He, no, he had not taken a piece of it. That was something that base that, 
basically we had not agreed to yet, which was okay. in hindsight, okay. probably not the best way to do it, but what? you know, it's, it's not a problem until it becomes a problem because the company wasn't worth a billion dollars. It right, never right, became right. a problem. <laughs> okay. But when you went to, so the, where I was going with that was when you decided to raise cash, did you have like a clean operating agreement and a clean cap table and you're all yes like everything's yeah. everything's you're feeling good enough to go in front of investors and like hey we yes. have our documents together here definitely okay. yeah everything okay. everything was clean that's okay that's a uh okay good yes, good good, good. On that. okay yep. just curious about that all right so you're what that feel like the first time you got in front of somebody and said hey man can you write me a check and they slapped me across the face and kicked me out. Um, <laughs> the first few times it was painful. By the hundredth time, you you know it's, it's oh, I, I, I tell the love of my life today that she's lucky that she met me after, or I'm sorry, before I went through all this because by now I'm so used to rejection that you know it's. I would have been that guy that goes and talks to a thousand girls at the bar until he hits. That was not that was not me beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> by the way. Let me take a pause there because I lived in Austin for a while and it was between my first and current wife. So I'm divorced at the time in Austin and I we used to go to the honky tonks and two step and swing all the time. Cause like, that's how you can pick up chicks. Yep. And I was one of those guys. I would just walk up and go, you want to dance? No. Okay. And then I just go right <laughs> to the next one, right to the next one, right to the next one until somebody said, yes, I had, I had two or three, you know, shots of tequila before I started yep. doing that. So I felt really brave, but anyway, so, all right. So you're, you're going, you're asking for cash. You're trying to you're raise. Going, asking for cash, not working out. Okay. We're not able to raise. Went back to my team and we kind of had those, you know, the, the come to Jesus talk on what are we doing here? Yep. Right. Yep. And at the time, so I was still, I guess, 32, still had a lot of money saved up. Okay. I was saying, listen, I want to go, I'm doing a startup to go big or go home. Was there my, any patented, was there any patented special stuff with the drone you did build anything you could sell? We, we hadn't patented it yet, but you know, it was uh, trade secrets at the time. Cause we didn't have the cash to patent anything. Right. So okay, gotcha. at that stage it was, we'll build it. We'll pat, you know, not, not communicate to the world how we've done it. So we're not All at right. risk of releasing it. Okay. Um, and so I was at a go big or go home stage. My other co-founder was I think 36 or 37 at the time married two daughters just bought a house he okay. needs to put food on the table yep and the other co-founder was uh younger i think 24 25 at the time okay. living with his parents needs to earn cash to get his own place so that he can go out and and have okay. fun in life okay and how and old so were you i was 32 31 32 all right yep you're like ah all right. i want something yeah. to hit okay all right exactly it, it i'll put it this way yes obviously always want something to hit but I at least want to be, I at least want to go at bat and know that I can, that I can try for the home run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I'm it's going good. at bat and it's just like a single every time, I'm not yeah. going to waste my time. So that's a really good point for the listeners. That's a good pause right there. You know, if you are in a startup or you're trying something and you're not, you're not generating revenue, you know, and you've gone six months or a year or whatever, and you're not, you don't have cash flow. You can't even pay yourself a little bit. I mean, don't, don't, don't keep pounding your head against the wall, either, either pivot or do something else. And I think that's good advice. I'm all about following your passion and I think that's critical, but you got to eat eventually. Yep. <laughs> and so yep. I, you know, great, great job on your part to say, Hey guys, I love you. You're my buddies for life, but I got to go. Yep. <laughs> okay. And, and so I went and then it was a moment of truth for me to figure out what I want to do. Okay. Um, I was still living in Israel at the time. The, you know, it was either do another startup, but we've got money issues, right? Mm -hmm. Or go into the corporate world. If mm -hmm. I were to go back into the corporate world, I would not, I didn't want to do it in Israel. 
I want okay. to do it back in the States. Salaries are orders of magnitude higher for the same amount of work. You know, why, why put yourself through, through having a boss if you're not going to get paid what you're worth? Ooh, there's another good tip. Love that. All right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I'll skip over a few, a few parts okay. and got to, got to farm dog. So basically my, my former co-founder who had done satellite imagery in the Israeli army was, had learned about drones, played around with drones was interested in doing something with drones with agriculture, reached out to me um, through, I don't remember, it was actually through the website of the drone company because it was still live. I see. Said, hey, you know, interested in potentially partnering up with y'all. And I told him, company shut down, but let's meet up. I'm happy to give you the Dropbox. Like, I, Were you in New York at the time or where were you? No, this was still in Israel. Okay. I'm, at this stage, I'm basically teetering on the brink of moving back to the States. Okay. All right. Um, so I said, all right, let's, you know, let's meet up at a coffee shop. Um, I'll share the Dropbox with you. I'll share this information. Hopefully something comes of this for somebody, right? It wasn't, I wasn't going to hand off the technology, but all the marketing, uh, uh, the market uh, industry sort of stuff. Okay. Happily share that with folks. Okay. Met up, got along, started doing what, what I call startup dating. Startup dating. Driving around, yep. <laughs> driving around Israel and California, talking with farmers doing a few side projects at the time he was leading a, a space balloon project um, via some Google challenge thing that was going on. So joined up with him on that. Okay. And then we decided to, to start farm dog. How'd you come up, how'd you come up with the name? Uh, so basically we sat around in his apartment for a while. I was trying to think up of all these hipster names, like, you know, rye and rye and oats or i don't know so you know in my mind i was picturing this like <laughs> hipster bar logo uh, um eventually we settled on farm dog and really the reason it two reasons one you know farm dog your eyes and ears to help you protect your fields i see um, i see farm dog dot ag was i mean farm dog dot ag was available i guess you got it Farmdog.ag was available. Farmdog.com was not. Okay. <laughs> That's a different story, but it was just parked there. Nobody was using it. Okay. Um, different challenge. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, All right. And then, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so yeah, let's walk in now. Now is a good, good transition. So how did you decide there was a, how did you know there was a need here? And was there anybody else doing it? What, yeah, go go ahead. So we we when we initially founded FarmDog, we were always in the agricultural space, but okay. we were a hardware company for soil moisture. Uh, for, okay. Sorry, for irrigation management via soil moisture. So hardware and irrigation management. Okay. The okay. way we came upon it was, this was 2015 or so. 2015. There's always a drought in Israel. There was a huge drought in California at the time. I see. Basically, everybody that we talked to said, "Help us out with irrigation management." All we have today are these soil moisture sensors that cost us upwards of $1,000 okay. to tell us about soil moisture. And we looked at that and said, why is a soil moisture sensor that, one, isn't very accurate to begin with? Two, it, it just, you, know, you need a bunch of these throughout the field, but folks would have one in the field because it was so expensive. Why can we not just replace these with off-the-shelf, you know, going back to Alibaba, Alibaba-type sensors and use this as a data analytics tool? So right there, you found a supply and a, a demand need, right? You, you, you exactly. knew that, that it was like, oh, they need this. We can, we can fix this right away and generate some cash. Okay. Yep, exactly. Mm, so that's, that's where we started off from. We had a few pilots running in Israel and California. 
And we were very lucky. I was able to raise $750,000 within about six months of founding the company. You, 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 you personally walked, you got in front of somebody and they said, yes, we'll give you that cash. Yep. Compare that to the previous companies. <laughs> was that, by the way, was that one check or multiple? One check. That, oh, let's, let's just, ooh, let's let that breathe yeah. for a minute. Was that, was that when you got that money, I guess you'll call that a seed round or whatever. Yep. Um, was, man, that was a moment, wasn't it? I mean, you had to be, yeah, you called up all your buddies and were like, hey guys, can you believe it? It was, it was an awesome moment. Uh, congratulations. Was, congratulations. Yep. That's a big deal. Hard to thank do. You. Hard to it, do. It was a, it was a great moment. Um, it helped us and we raised on that. We hired wow. our team. Good job. Good job. Were you married? Were you married when you raised the 750? I was not. No. Okay. No. All right. All right. I was just curious. Okay. So, wow. All right. So you got the cash raise. Now got you're cash. actually, now you're actually, now you're paying yourself something. Paying something enough to cover about 80% of my expenses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something. So, you know, one of the things that we, one of the things that we, so I'll get back to that. So basically six months after that, we realized we were doing the completely wrong thing. I okay. oh. <laughs> got to the punchline. Oh, got it. Wow. Okay. Time for pivot, which is okay. Time I for think pivot. I, yeah. I, I think that's, was, that's, that happens to so many startups and it's important to do it. Yeah. Talk to us about it. It, it was great. Yeah. So we basically what happened was the first conference we went to, we were one of three companies doing what we were doing, which is soil and moisture sensors. Three months later, okay. we were one of about 20 companies doing Ooh, this. Okay. And so obviously, you know, with hardware, hardware is always going to become commoditized, right? GoPro is commoditized at this stage. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Just nobody knew when exactly. And mm -hmm. so here also we realized that this is becoming commoditized much faster than we expected. Secondly, the long-term or the vision for what we're doing was we're telling farmers, Hey farmer, put our sensors in your field. We'll collect data for two or three years. And in two or three years, we will theoretically give you something, some insight that will help you with irrigation management. Okay. All right. Now you said you live in a farm town. What do you think happens when you go to a farmer and said, Hey farmer, pay me now <laughs> for something that maybe in three years I'll be able to give to you. That's that, that's that old scene in like a saloon when you get thrown out of the saloon doors. Exactly. And they swing exactly. Back and forth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That, and that's what happened. And, and so the key uh, learnings for us from that were twofold. One, it's always funny to me to say it in hindsight is you got to have a day one value prop. Like if you're selling uh, something, you got to give point. up value. Right. And, good point. Yep. and it, it's, it's funny to say, cause it's so, it's so mm -hmm. simple, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but we learned that. And then from an adoption perspective, you know, there, there were some adoption perspectives that we learned in agriculture um, hardware versus software, a bunch of things that are probably not relevant to, to folks that are listening. Um, but we, so we stopped, okay. we stopped in our tracks, went back to our growers and agrom said, Hey guys, we've got money. We've got a team and the generic help us help you. Okay. That's good. You know, and you're not out of cash yet at this time or anything crazy. Not out of cash at all. So that was one of the you know, that I'm, there's, I'm still not sure where I fall on this line. Cause there is a line of thinking that says, if you raise spend, spend, spend and learn really, really fast. Well, and learn really fast and either you're in or out within six months. Yeah. You can't really do that with yeah. agriculture in a lot of way place. You can't do it. You definitely yeah. can't do it in agriculture where you're, you know, stuck with nature's cycle. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I've had some recent entrepreneurs on the, on the podcast that have said, yeah, I'm not, you know, you, I've had some recent guests that said, hell, you don't even know anything until exactly. your, third, your third year. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so luckily, you know, you'd asked about what salary I was pulling. Luckily it was low enough where it, it gave us the flexibility right. to start something new. Okay. So you pivoted. And, All right. So we pivoted and that's how we landed where, where farm dog is today. Give us um, that. So let's start, let's start. Give yep. us, give us the, give us the farm dog today overview. Yep. Farm dog helps growers use less pesticide. Period. The that's way, that's, that's your it. mantra. That's it. That's a mantra. Um, the way we do it is we start off with a day one value proposition that gives farmers time savings and improved communication. So it's a, essentially a data management tool, okay. really helping folks move from pen and paper to our tool. Over time, as we collect that standardized structure, georeference data from the field, we're able to give our users data insights, such as which treatments work well or less well in your field. Okay. When are you going to have an outbreak? What's going on around you? And so it's this short-term, short-term value prop combined with the long-term vision, which is, I think, the key to what we're doing here in the agricultural industry. In layman's terms, if I can just think, think about this for a second, I'm not a farmer, but I grew up in Oklahoma and I've hung around farmers a lot. So let me try to, let me, so you're telling me that if I have 10,000 acres, you can give me a tool that's going to end up saving me money because it's going to tell me not to put that pesticide on that 150 acres over there because of whatever reason. Exactly. Did that's, I get close? That, you Did got, I, you got it spot on, but that's okay. a long-term vision. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that we're there yet. Okay. That's the way kind of the, the metaphor that I always use is digital medical records. Okay. Right. Remember 15, 20 years ago, when you'd go to the doctor, they'd have that big old room filled with binders with everybody's information on just like millions and millions of pieces of paper. Right. Yeah. And there are two main issues with that. One, operationally, it just sucked. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but two, nobody was able to actually utilize that data for anything good. Mm. The second we digitize that information, first, it's just easier to book an appointment with your doctor, right? Because they have all, they pull up all your information on their mm -hmm. computer. They know where you were there last time. Operationally, it's easier when you go speak with the doctor or the nurse. He or she can look at your track record very easily. Boom. And, and that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing these days when they're standing. Exactly. They're, looking at, they're looking at like a tablet or whatever. They're just exactly. looking at your stuff. Okay. And that's, what you, and that's what you do for the farmer now. Exactly. That's how we start. That's, that's that first value. Mm. Where it leads to, though, again, if you go back to digital medical records, is now that we've got those medical records digitized, it's much easier for us to, to use AI to diagnose things. It's much easier for Let's us see. to figure out new medicines, new treatment protocols. It's much easier for us to deal with insurance, not, not, just for, not even on a you know, paperwork aspect, but on a, hey, you know, th this, is, this is a better cluster of users to put together so we can reduce their insurance cost, right? And that's really where all this leads to from what we're working on. I see. I see. And how about cost? I mean, I don't know if, how much you could go into that. Like, I mean, if you, were, if you were pitching me, if I was a farmer and you're like, hey, bro, you need this. Yep. First, first thing I'm going to say is, okay, how much does it cost? How, how, much, how much can it save me? Like, I'm just yep. like in real simple terms. Yeah. So we've got two tiers. First tier is completely free. I you saw can, that, I saw that yep. on the website. I'm like, wait a minute. What, what's the hook here? Is there, I, the, the, the hook. So that, that one's completely free. And then we've got a professional tier, which is still only 45 bucks a month. The reason. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah I, I can't, yeah. I was looking at the website going, okay, I got to ask about this. Yeah. So really in kind of the differences between the free tier that's going to be for a grower working by him or herself really just we'd be giving them a digital journal almost so instead of writing out in their notepad 
they've got a digital journal of information they're putting in there. And what's the, the benefit for you? What's the benefit for you for the, to, to give it to them for free? The benefit for me is at the end of the day, we're a data company. I and see. so by, by learning what's going on and understanding which treatments work well or less well, we're able to provide all of our users a better product at the end of the day. Ah, bingo. There it is. Okay. Yep. Not to mention, could you also like sell that data to, I don't know, universities or something? I, I, I don't know. We never would. That's, I, I, I see. Yeah, that, that data, it's, it's very, very important to make sure that, that data retains its data privacy rights on there. Okay. This is a farmer's data. It's, I see. You know, I see. It'd, be like, it'd be like you give me your medical data and then I go oh, off and tell whoa. folks, hey, this, you know, this is Steve's blood pressure. I, I, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So it's just, it's just as sensitive in that and we, de we treat it as sensitively as that. Mm, love it. Okay, yep. beautiful. All right, cool. And uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's what it is. Those are the, the two tiers. And today, how big are you? Like, what's the size? Do you, can you go? I don't know how much you want yeah. to share on the podcast. No, happy to. So we're being used on around a million and a half acres, mostly in the U.S. and Canada. Congratulations, um, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's a good number. <laughs> uh, good for you. And you've been in business for how long? Five years? Uh, four years. Four years or so. Four years? Yep. Million and a half acres. Just let that yeah. breathe right there. I mean, you, yeah. you're like, you know, we actually, you got, so you have revenue, you have acreages you cover, you have employees. Yep. We got employees. We got incredible partnerships. We work very closely awesome. with John Deere. Um, we received a $900,000 grant to do some co-R&D with John Deere. Whoa, yeah. there's another huge home run right there. Yeah, it was, it was huge. Um, we worked wow. very closely with the U.S. Department of Ag. Um, we've got contracts with the U.S. Department of Ag. Uh, we're just Great. named a top 20 agriculture application for 2020. By I saw like, that. Saw that yeah. on your social media. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it's going, it's going awesome. Having a blast. Woo. Now you're kind of uh, like, yeah. man, like, man, okay, we may, actually, we may actually have something here. Now we have, we have revenue. We have grants. We have people supporting yep. us, relationships. Yep. So, okay. Great. Congratulations to get it Thank where you. it's at. Uh, what, is, what do you got? 10 employees? 15? What do you got? We're at around 10. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, making money, revenue checks are coming in. People are yep. paying you. People are paying me. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, did you uh, have to raise? Have you done? You haven't done like a series A or anything, have you? No. So we're raising right now a new round. Okay. Um, we haven't raised since that. Well, let me back up. We, we got that 750K that I mentioned. Yeah. And then we've gotten two safe notes in the last few years. Okay. Um, but for the last year and a half, no, no external money has come in. How about that? How about yeah. that? Now that you really got some traction going on, whoever wrote you that first $750,000 check, they got to be breathing a little bit easier too. They got to be like, okay, this, this. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. That's uh... <laughs> Investors, they always, they're always, they're always like, when am I going to get my money back? When, right, where, where am I getting my money back? I, I, I'm missing six zeros on this. <laughs> yeah. Where's my, yeah. It, isn't that, that's a whole nother podcast, yeah. by the way. You know, they, they want, I, I want my, yeah, yeah. Four digit, four times they, return in two years. <laughs> they they they've been support they've been supportive along the way. Um, so it's, I, uh, I, inter I interviewed a guy recently that uh, has a company that does like uh, I don't know let's call it fifteen million in, mm -hmm. in volume. And by the way, that that's not somebody that's been launched on the podcast. So I don't want the listeners trying to look in there and see who <laughs> try to figure out who it is. Keep listening to this podcast. Don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's got he, he does ten million dollars. He's got like ninety investors. Nine wow. zero. Wow. And he was just like, he's just like, yeah, I'll never do that again. Cause yep. just managing that is a yep. full time job anyway. All right, great. Um, well, congratulations on, on what you guys have built. Can I ask you, you, um, a few really, I mean, you know what I love about before I ask you to give some advice to the listeners, a few more pieces of advice on specific questions. I just want to say 
what I would feel comfortable with if I was a billionaire with some, you know, ton of cash to give away. What I would feel great about your profile is you have been through the shit, right? I mean, you've started several things. You know what it's like to fail. You know when to pivot. You've experienced how to do that. You've experienced how to bootstrap it. You've lived in closets and in the parents' basement. I mean, you, you hustled your ass off. Yep. You're not just an NYU graduate that had an idea and somebody gave a bunch of money to. No, right. you, you, you've got some scars on your, oh, on, yeah. your, on, your, on your chest. And, you've, you know, you got some, and I love that. Um, and your people skills are awesome. I mean, Appreciate that. I, I could see you walking into little Johnstown, Colorado, where I live, and walking right down to the bar with me where some farmers live, and, and you would just be like, hey, man, let's talk. And, they, yep. and you could, I could see you doing that. Yep. That's the Austin coming out in you, by That's, the way. That, and, and I can even give him a Texas accent if need be. That's, uh, I love that about you, man. I love that about you. And I'm sure that's how, it, while it was a good idea, and I'm sure there's a major tech play, they're investing in you, right? And your co-founder. I mean, they, they are looking at you going, okay, I'm, I'm depending on these guys to do the right thing. And I, I could see where knowing there's, you there's now. One thing, there's one thing I would add to that. And this is something that I've learned along the way. And I'm still not you know, I'm still trying to figure out the right balance is at a certain, you know, like you said, investors love the folks who have been through the shit. Yep. And initially when I started telling folks a story, I over leveraged on that. Ah, and so by the time that I got to like, okay, this is, this is farm dog today. You know, I, I'd gone, I'd gone rejections. People say, yeah, you know, you've pivoted so many times that you know, we're not sure if you're going to stick on this. Okay. And I would say, wait, wait, hold on. Like, those are completely different companies, right? And so it was a learning situation Ooh. for me to figure out how to tell that story so that folks say, all right, this guy's can, can, can hustle and, mm. Mm. and work hard, but at the same mm. time, this is it. You all know, those that's, ooh, that's good. Fall in here. That's a good, that's really good. That's really good, Leron. My visual is like, hey, I'm going to show you a few scars on my arm, but I'm not going to like raise up my shirt and show you all exactly. the ones on the back. Yep. That's a per <laughs> I love it. I love that metaphor. Oh, that's good stuff right there for the listeners. Okay. How about a couple of uh, big time, you know, with, as we wrap up here, yep. I just graduated law school. I think I want to be an entrepreneur. I got a semi good idea. What advice do you give that, that person today? What would you and tell they, them? They cannot go back in time and not go to law school, right? That, right. That's, yeah, the, yeah. that's the limitations of this. Well, for this, yeah, for this one, yeah. For let's the, say, let's, say, okay. let's say that the law school and they got an yep. idea. I, I think a few things. One, if you are, you know, if you, if you have that idea but don't yet have the money or whatever it may be, make sure that in your legal work, work with entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. go join a law firm. There's some great ones out there that deal with entrepreneurs and startups so that you, you understand what they're going through. Mm, um, mm. You know, I had a lot of, a lot of my friends at NYU went and worked at these large corporate law firms that were working on multi-billion dollar deals. That's completely different than, completely than different. what this is, right? It's completely so that, different. Yeah. So that's number one. And that's, I think that's important also to make sure that you get some credibility when you go speak with other folks, because as a former lawyer, the first thing that people are going to see is a former lawyer. And say you're not going to take risks. You you know uh, uh, you're going to overthink things, right? And so I think you have to work very hard, whether you're at the law firm or somewhere else already. You have to work very hard to to get past that stereotype. Mm, mm. How about how about I didn't go to law school and I'm just I'm just 
I'm 25 years old. Um, I got five grand in the bank. <laughs> I live in my parents' basement and I got an idea. I say just go with it. That's, I, I speak with too many folks who come to me for advice as a potential entrepreneur and they give me the 50,000 reasons why not to do something. Ooh. Right? I don't have this. I don't have that. How will I do this? I need to learn a little bit more about this. How this? How... And basically, I tell them that all their questions are probably wrong because, they're, <laughs> because there's a million other questions that they really should be asking and they'll mm. figure those out. Once they get, once they get in the, once they get in the water, you know, and, yep. yeah, yeah, go ahead. And, and it's, and so on top of that, it's, you know, put yourself out there. It's, you have, in my opinion, you have to be all in or not in at all. Mm. It's very easy to, to continue with the job and do something half-assed and you never yeah. get anywhere. Yeah. I don't know how many people I've had on the Rider Flex podcast that say something to the effect of, just start, just start yep. moving forward. Just start taking action. Just, just yep. start, start running. I, I know it sounds more comfortable to lay out exactly how you think the yellow brick road is going to go. Right. Um, but you can, you'll just sit there. You'll, you'll, you'll yep. be paralyzed. You'll be paralyzed by trying to draw up all these, these, these paths that you think yep. it's going to go. Yeah. At some point you just have to start moving forward. You have to go out there. I mean, it's just so true. I hear that over and over and over. Uh, you know, even today, you know, I'll tie Rider, I'll tie Riderflex thing into that. Um, even today, Riderflex as a recruiting firm, we just finished our third year. Congrats! And I just had somebody say, "Well, what's your, you know, what's your, what's your goal for next year? What's your, what's your, what's your plan for next yeah. year?" And I, I love ants. I love it when I get that that question because I always go more. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Not that you shouldn't have some type of goals, but the point is stop worrying about having the perfect plan. Just start, start just yep. start moving forward. Start moving exactly. forward because as an entrepreneur, what you'll learn is most people don't have the balls or the guts exactly. to move forward. So if you just start moving forward, you're already going to leave behind 90% of the exactly. pack is going to be behind you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, that's, yeah. that's the, that's the key one. I think the second one that I would add is don't be afraid of looking like an idiot. That's cause you're going to look like an idiot. Cause you're going time. to, yeah, you're going to accept it. <laughs> Not only it, once you accept it, you actually open yourself up to learn more. Oh, that's good. Right. The second you're okay with asking a question that is going to make you look like an idiot, you're going to get that answer mm. Mm. <laughs> and you're going to figure it out. That's a good one. Okay. What, I'm going to just ask you two more. I know we're almost out of time here. Now looking back, uh, do you mind me asking how old you are? Is that something you want to share? I'm 36 years old. Wow. Good, that, buddy, congratulations, man, on what you've built at Thank the age you. of 36. That's huge. Um, if you could call the guy, the kid back at, 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 at UT yep. and talk to him, what would you tell him right now? I would tell him to take advantage, take better advantage of the opportunities you have when you're younger to figure out the world, to travel, to meet people outside your comfort zone and to really just be exposed to everything. Mm. That's, you know, in, in hindsight, it's always either, why didn't I go there? Why didn't I do that? Mm. And I think especially, especially in college where you have that opportunity to do those things and you have the opportunity to really approach anybody and say, hey, I'm just a silly college student trying to learn my way around in life. Can you chat with me for 20, 30 minutes? 
that, you know, you're going to get much further in cold emails doing that <laughs> versus when you're 35, 36 and saying, Hey, I'm looking to learn about this industry. Can you take some of your precious time for free and chat with me? Right? Like that's not going to work anymore. That is a man. That is good stuff right there. That's good. Leron. Good. That's excellent for the, for the young folks. Okay. And then one last question. So as you wake up every day now, if you had to define your core purpose in life in a sentence or two, I was challenged to define my core purpose when I was 50 and I really struggled to do it. Uh, if you had to put your core purpose in a sentence and I didn't let you tie it to family yep, and I forced you to kind of keep it over on the professional side, what would you say your core purpose is? And to tie it on the professional side? Yeah, yeah, it's got it. Yeah, yeah. Don't try not to tie it to to family because usually most right, people are yep. like, "Well, I want to take care of my family." Professionally, yep. what's your core purpose? My core purpose is to build something that leaves the world in a better position than it was from before I started. And maybe, hopefully, make a little money on the way. I think that those two things are tied. Ooh, I, good, good, I good, 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 good. I don't think making something better is uh mm. is necessarily necessarily has to be a nonprofit. Ah, that's good. Good. Love that answer, man. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So farmdog.ag, farmdog.ag. Any other way you want them to contact any, is that just the best thing to do? Is that's, there... that's the best way. And if there are any farmers or agronomists listening, you can download the app for free from the Android or the iOS store and get started. We've got a free trial um, and we'd uh, love to, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, so there's a free trial too, even on the paid version. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's yep. good to know. Okay. You come to Colorado anytime soon to talk to farmers here? I very much hope so. If you do, bro, hey, call me. I want to get together. We'll do. Definitely. We'll do. LaRon, great, awesome interview. Thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.